0: Hey, what's going on, family? Uh, good to be back together again. Uh, I hope that some of y'all are able to be with each other even just a little bit right now, worshiping while you watch this. Uh, hopefully, we all are able to see each other soon. Uh, I rebuke that second wave in the name of Jesus, all right? Because I'm trying to get back together. So, uh, you ready to chop it up? Uh, let's dive in. If you have your Bibles, grab them. Philippians 3 is where we're going to be this morning. If you don't have your Bibles, feel free to grab them and uh, pause the video so you can follow along with us. Wish by the way, I know y'all don't be doing what we ask you to do. When we say pause the video, I know you be on the couch like, all right? And so it's okay. Juhan confessed it last week, all right? And so uh, there's no accountability. I get it. Just remember, Jesus is watching you, all right? <laughs> and so uh, as we continue in Philippians, uh, Paul, what he just did was he highlighted the beauty of Christ and who Jesus was, really that Jesus took his privilege and he laid it down so that we who have no privilege, right, or access to the throne room of God might now find our place in him. And then we continued into the following week saying, now we should live like that too. That Paul was encouraging them to model the practice of Christ by laying their lives down. That they would highlight the beauty of Jesus. Really modeling Christ, Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus, and others. And so uh, this is what we're going to launch us into now in this beautiful section. Thinking about what Christ has done for us. How others have modeled that for us. Now what is our response to that? And so uh, I'm going to have... Uh, my friend Vanessa read the first part for us so Vanessa go ahead
1: hey everyone my name is Vanessa Trevino and I'm a member of the Canic community group I'm so looking forward to the day when we can worship our God under the same roof again but until then I miss y'all love y'all so much I'll be reading from Philippians chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Hey, thank you, friend. Hey, several things from the jump. Uh, first of all, Paul says, finally, and then he goes on to preach another 40 minutes, all right? And so, y'all haters, I'm just trying to be biblical, all right? Y'all need to stop grilling me, Okay. Uh, What Paul does is he picks up this theme of rejoicing in the Lord. Paul has already mentioned joy or rejoicing nine times, and now he's commanding it again for the fourth time. In fact, throughout the rest of this letter, that's what we're going to be thinking about. And Paul is also about to preach the gospel again. Even though he's already laid out the gospel very clearly to this point, he's trying to highlight the reality of this again. He says, to write the same things to you is no trouble for me, and it is safe for you. It was so nice, you had to say it twice. <laughs> Come on now, all right? And so immediately, listen, we get a point that's very, very valuable for us. Hey, do you get tired of hearing or walking people through the gospel? Do you get tired in this season of talking about racial reconciliation? Do you get tired of helping that guy try to overcome his porn habit or helping that woman try to restore her marriage or do you get tired of serving people in the same simple ways even though there may only be incremental growth in their life? Do you get tired of preaching, hearing, talking about the gospel and the full implications of it? If so, maybe you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. You're really just loving yourself. And that's why you're growing weary, family, because you're not here to serve out of a love for your neighbor, but rather out of a love for yourself and how it makes you feel and how it makes uh, you uh, just kind of get emotional or feel good when you're serving in that way. And that's not the motivation of Paul. Paul is ready to serve again. We should not grow weary in proclaiming truth. It is no trouble of ours, is what Paul says. The only thing that it costs us is a little bit more patience and a little bit more time, both of which are from God and should be used for God. And so we can serve our neighbor, love our neighbor. If you get tired of hearing something hot right now, like racial reconciliation, like, man, maybe it's because you're not thinking about your neighbor, but you're thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about different injustices that are going on. You're just thinking about your own self. And listen, this is not the motivation of the Bible. If you get tired of sharing the gospel with that person over and over again, Paul says we should not grow weary. And if we are truly laying down our life like Christ did, like Paul did, like Timothy did, like Epaphroditus did, then we will be willing to share no matter what over and over and over again, family. Do you get weary? If you are, I would have you check your heart. Maybe you're really serving yourself. You see, Paul here, he was living for the exaltation of Christ and for the service of others, like we talked about in chapter 1. And so this is what we should be doing as well. Now, he goes in, he says, hey, watch out for the dogs, right? And then he starts talking about circumcision, which is always a fun topic to discuss with the kids, (laughs) all right? Um, Dogs in that time were very different than dogs in this time, okay? Uh, We, especially in Austin, we'd be thinking dogs are cute little fluffy pets, right? Well, y'all do. I don't. That's y'all. Okay. Uh, But at that time, a dog was wild, right? And it would roam around usually where it shouldn't be, and it would attack people kind of randomly. And so the Gentiles they actually used to be considered dogs because they would tempt the Jewish people to worship false gods and to forsake the true God. And so circumcision was a sign for the Jews that they were set apart from the world around them, that they were dedicated to Yahweh, to the God of the universe, to serving him. It was an outward expression of an inward faith, sort of like baptism is for us as Christians. Now, some Jews, they actually trusted in the symbol of the faith, but they did not have faith to back that up. So once Christ came on the scene, he had to set the record straight. And he said, hey, just because you're circumcised, that doesn't mean a lot. Like, like what matters is the posture of the heart. It has always been the heart that matters. It will always be the heart that matters. I am after your faith. Yeah. In fact, we see this in Abraham, whose circumcision was given to. He believed in God. Then circumcision was a sign of his faith. Yeah. And so he's calling us to do the same thing. Now, Paul then says, hey, watch out for the dogs, that are not just the Gentiles any longer, but even the Jews, if they would turn your eyes away from Jesus, Anyone who shifts our attention off of the centrality of Christ is actually a dog. In other words, they might attack at any moment, be in places where they should not. And you need to watch out for them because if you don't, you're going to get rabies. All right? Like you need to watch out for the dogs, okay? The circumcision, whether it's Jew or Gentile, it doesn't really matter. We are set apart. And then he says to do three things, to worship in spirit, to glory in Christ, and to kill the flesh. This is what a Christian is, a true follower of God. This is what they do. They receive the Spirit of God. They love the Hecate of Jesus and they die to themselves. And so no longer is it only Gentiles that pull us away, but Paul is saying, listen, anyone, anything that would pull you away from loving and glorying in Jesus or getting you to boast in the flesh, they are dogs. Watch out for them. You see, you be teaching your kids to like dogs. I be teaching my kids to hate dogs. I'm just trying to be biblical, all right? I'm just trying to be biblical here, okay? So... Uh, Then Paul, what he does is he goes into all these things that used to pull him away from the faith, that used to pull him away from loving Jesus. And in order to understand the punch of what he's saying more fully, we gotta finish the rest of our text here. So I'm gonna have my good friend Chris read for us verses seven through 11, and then we'll see how all of this weaves in and out of our posture of loving Christ. So
2: Chris, go ahead. Hey Well family, my name is Chris Dowerpole, and I am a Covenant community member here at The Well. My wife Kelsey and I lead and host the Koenig CG and today I'm going to be reading Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 through 11. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The very words of God.
0: Yeah. My, my, my. Right. Man, the desperation in these verses, okay? Like, my gosh, it makes me want to punch something just hearing those words, okay? Uh, this weaves in the importance for us of our church, even right now, into the racial tension that we're feeling. So I want to dive right into it, okay? Uh, I can feel my heart beating faster, so we need the Lord to help us, all right? Let's chop it up. Finally, my last 13 points is this, okay? Um, Christ being exalted is the most significant thing, period. That's it. If you don't remember anything else in the sermon, I want you to remember that it is all about Jesus. He is the only worthy one. Christ is the one that should be exalted. As Paul says in verse 3, we should be glorying in Jesus, giving glory to him, finding glory from him. This is what our lives should be about. His beauty and his majesty and his glory and his significance lifted up. Our eyes fixed gaze locked tight on Jesus. Amen? Amen. This is what we should be about. And too often, there's all these other things where we begin to put confidence in the flesh and not treasure Christ as he is truly worthy to be treasured. Family of God, it is all about Jesus. Now see, notice several things that Paul actually used to put confidence in instead of Christ. He says he used to put confidence in ritual, in his ethnicity, in his rank, and his work ethic, in his possessions, and in his status, in his tradition, in his rule keeping, in his zeal and commitment, in his obedience to follow the law. In other words, he used to go to church Used to have some money, live in a good neighborhood, have a good job, be accepted by a certain group of people, and that's where he found his righteousness. In fact, verse 6, he said he was blameless. But even though he was blameless on earth, it meant nothing compared to the righteousness of Christ. This is what he was focusing on. And literally, all of his value, all of his good work, all of his position, all of his privileges, all of his status, it meant nothing compared to Jesus. It is all about Jesus. What family of God are you putting your confidence in? What are you putting your significance in? Are you glorying in Christ or are you putting your confidence in the flesh which will fail you? In fact, Paul was so zealous, he was actually killing the church, it says. And so a quick side note, you can be so zealous for something that you don't even realize that your zeal is actually aggressively working against the kingdom of God. When your confidence is in the flesh rather than in Christ, it doesn't matter how much passion you have about something. It's likely that you're offending the righteousness of God because of your actions. Listen, you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. And that's what Paul was doing. And he says, everything that I am, all that I have accomplished, all of it means nothing compared to Jesus. I am willing to lay it all down, lay who I am, lay what I'm about, that I might have a righteousness that is found in Christ. Not a righteousness of my own, but literally an alien righteousness. It comes from outside of me, into me, and makes me like Jesus. What do you need to lay down that you might pick up the righteousness of Christ, family? Now see, here's what we normally do when we think about that question. We immediately go to something like sin. Like I gotta stop doing blank so that I can walk in the righteousness of God. I gotta stop caring so much about money or something. And and that is true, okay? But notice how Paul kind of like ratchets it up a little bit here. He takes it to a whole nother level. What about your identity? Are you willing to lay that down for the sake of Christ? Your political affiliation, are you willing to lay that down for the sake of Jesus? Everything so that Christ is exalted. Yep. Paul is proclaiming how worthy Jesus is. You know, we're taught to repent of our sins. And Paul actually kind of does that in mentioning how we used to persecute the church. He's like, man, I was wrong, right? But Paul lays down his accomplishments, his status, his ethnic identity, anything that he can find righteousness in other than the exaltation of Christ, he lays it down for the sake of Jesus. Listen to me, family of God, I want you to hear this. Anything that would strip away righteousness from you, a.k.a. sin, right? Any sin that would uh, remove or pull us into ungodliness or anything that gives you a false sense of righteousness, like your works or your identity or your accomplishments, all of those things mean nothing if you do not have your heart centered on the person and work of Jesus. Paul is like, hey, look out for the dogs, This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you to boast in something other than Christ. And Paul goes on. He's like, I want you to know I'm doper than they were. That's literally what he's saying here, right? Like, hey, they think they have privilege. I had more of it. Look where I was born. Look how I was born. I was the upper echelon, is what Paul says. They think they're Hebrews. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? Like, they ain't black. I'm black, black, is what Paul's saying here, right? Like, I got it all together. Whatever you want to boast in, I'm probably better. Paul's having a Michael Jordan moment here, right? Like, you give one mil, I'll give 1.10, all right? And so this is what he's doing here, okay? But all of it means nothing compared to Jesus. In fact, Paul says it's all rubbish compared to knowing Christ, Rubbish is a really gentle translation here, okay? Uh, It's actually a virtually vulgar term, which means dog crap. He's actually probably referencing the dogs in verse 2 and kind of tying in that idea here. They're dogs that try to get you to focus on anything other than Jesus, and everything other than Jesus is dog crap. That's what Paul is saying here. Does Jesus mean that much to you, family of God? Look at how many times Paul references Christ in just those last four verses. It is for Jesus, about Jesus, in him, by him, all things lost for him, over and over. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Something about the name Jesus. Well, come on now. (laughs) Right? Does his name stir up your heart's affections, family of God? Listen to me very clearly. Your value is not found in who you are or what you do, but rather who he is and what he has done for you. This is what Paul is saying here. And this should cause you to worship in your spirit, to glory in Christ, and to lay down your flesh, to die to yourself. But let's keep a G here, right? (laughs) Notice, Paul isn't saying that anything that he used to be is actually a bad thing, per se. Now, The persecution of the church, yes, he kind of confesses that, but God has made him who he is. Now, compared to knowing Christ, it's rubbish, but God did make Paul like this, And he wants to use Paul to make much of Jesus. And the position and the privileges and his identity are actually a part of that family. If you follow all of Paul's letters and the scripture at large, he often uses his Judaism and his position to actually exalt Christ that much more throughout the scripture. And so let's keep it a buck, all right? Let's think about how this applies to racial reconciliation right now. Because it may sound like I'm saying, hey, all this stuff doesn't matter, But that would actually be thoroughly inconsistent with Scripture and even inconsistent with this passage. Like, can we keep it real in this mug? All right. We often confuse our righteousness with our identity. And Paul's saying, don't do that. Okay, don't confuse your righteousness with who you are or who you vote for or whatever it may be. You see, too many white Christians, they found their righteousness in the fact that the majority culture applauds them, even though they may be acting in opposition to the gospel, like Galatians 2.14 says. But too many black Christians right now can find our righteousness in our blackness rather than in Christ. Like, can we keep it real in this mug, right? Like, I too can find my righteousness and my value and in my worth and my identity because I'm black, right? And that's what I can begin to focus on. My value is not found in who I am or what I do. It is found in who someone else is and what he has done for me. But he's also redeeming who I am and bringing dignity and value to me, family, So we should be about this. This is who we are. My identity is that of a black man. And that is beautiful because it actually highlights the glory of God. In fact, he wants us to be elevated, I would argue. It doesn't give me righteousness, but it does give me beauty, And as I am treated for, cared for, honored in that, as my blackness becomes beautiful to people around me, it actually highlights the glory of our creator, therefore even further exalting him. So I don't find my exaltation in my creation, but I do honor my creation and therefore exalt my creator. Y'all tracking with that? Yeah? Okay. If everything in the world is primarily about Jesus, then this makes everything right in the world, because we start fighting for the right thing, which is Jesus. This is what our center is around, and so this is what we should be thinking about. Let me break that down some, okay? Let me get really practical here. Right now, our culture is fighting for racial reconciliation, and look, y'all, praise God, okay? However, if we fight for this apart from the gospel, what we're actually fighting for is, hey, let's just all get along. And low-key, I'm kind of about that. I'm sick of getting pulled over for no reason, all right? And so that's like one step, okay? But family of God, there is so much more. Yeah. You see, we want the imago Day, the image of God restored in every individual, the exaltation of Christ's work, the dignity, beauty, and value in what he has done, therefore exalting Jesus. We have the answer as the church. And so don't miss me here, right? If we put our trust in anything else, then we lose everything. So we can't put our trust in this. But if we place our trust in Christ, then naturally we will begin to fight for this because we will want to see Jesus in each other. Yeah. It will be about Jesus still. And we'll be highlighting who he is. The church has the answer, y'all. Yeah. We have the answer. We want justice and reconciliation because of Christ and who he is, the image of Jesus, seeing our Jesus, our eyes and our hearts fixed on Jesus. Do you see how even an issue like this, if it all ties back to Jesus, then it will give us the perseverance to fight. It will give us the desire to fight rightly, not for someone's righteousness and their identity. No, no, no. That's found in Christ. But to honor them that Christ might be exalted, we have the answer. If we fight for racial reconciliation above Christ, we're fighting for creation above creator. This is not what we should do. But if we fight for creator first, then we'll naturally want to begin to restore his creation. And this is what our hearts should long for. You see, our dignity in each human being is a part of God's heart. In fact, he became undignified on the cross as he was stripped naked, beaten, and mocked before all so that I, who have no dignity found in myself, might now have value because of what he has done for me. Think about it like this. What's the greatest command? The teachers asked Jesus, and he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says that the second is like the first. Now, if we start chasing the second above the first, we start chasing creation above Christ, and that will implode on us. If we start finding our righteousness and our Jewishness and our status, our identity, our works, our privilege, then we are exalting those things above Jesus. But you loving your neighbor as yourself is a response of exalting Jesus because the second is like the first. As you exalt Jesus, you want to other honor others. As you love God, you want to love the things that he loves. As you serve and love and give dignity and value to your neighbor, you are serving and loving and giving dignity and value to God. If your motivation is the exaltation of Christ, then all things come together, family. This is what he wants to highlight for us. You see, if you're not doing that, let me be real with you. You're fighting for your own kingdom above Christ's kingdom. And your own kingdom is a terrible kingdom. And it will all fall down in the end. It all falls down. (laughs) Songs are all in my head today, all right? (laughs) All right, like, can I give you a, is this making sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me give you one more practical example, okay? Um, We can take our identity and fighting even for the value of my life, like my black life matters, okay? And then what we do is we go to peaceful protests and and march, and in doing that, we can actually be committing idolatry where it does not help me or KC or Yana or anybody else. Like when you go down there and you take pictures, And you post them to your IG feeds and your stories. Are you really marching for me or are you marching for yourself? It's okay to post on IG. Don't get me wrong. Some of those pictures are dope, right? Like I like seeing them, okay? But where are you finding your identity? Are you really serving Christ? Are you serving me or are you really serving yourself? You see, you're gaining social clout by posting and therefore are you serving me or are you serving yourself? Honestly, probably a little bit of both here. But then when this wave dies down, so will your zeal, because ultimately you were not centered on the person and work of Jesus, but you were focused on either yourself or even his creation, and therefore your zeal will also die down, and you will stop fighting. And as verse 1 says, you will grow weary in doing and in preaching good. But if the exaltation of Christ is your primary motivation, then whether the world thinks it's hot or not, it won't matter to you. You'll be about it because you will be thinking about Jesus and the glory of Jesus and Jesus's glory as it is displayed through me. And so now you're fighting for Christ through me and you're fighting for the beauty of Jesus through me and your motivation will continue no matter what anybody says around you. This is what we should be thinking about. You see, without Christ, this is a fad that will die only to resurrect when another black man dies. And those are false resurrections, family of God. But if we focus on the resurrection of Jesus and how he wants to make right all things, how Revelation 7-9 says every tongue, tribe, nation, culture will be present with God, then we begin to fight for the kingdom of God and we are fighting for the exaltation of Christ, y'all. This is what we should be about. It's the image of God in me that will sustain you. It's the image of God in your sister that will sustain you. And the refugee or the immigrant or whatever situation we may be wrestling with, it's the image of God, Christ, focus on Jesus that will motivate us toward good works. If we try to be motivated by good works and then love Jesus, we're putting creation above creator, it will implode, family. But if we put creator above creation, then we will naturally bring creation back to creator because that's his heart, the reconciliation of all things. That's what he is about. And you see, Jesus is honestly our perfect example and our fulfillment in this, is he not? Even in this text, we see this. You see, Paul said he was a Jew of all Jews, but Jesus is better, is he not? (laughs) Jesus was the true Jew, the very nation of Israel, the son of God is what he is called. In fact, he's not just a Hebrew of Hebrews, he is the God of all gods, the scripture says. Yet, like we saw two weeks ago, Jesus would lay this all aside so that we who do not have access to God might now have a relationship with him if we place our faith and our belief in Jesus. Jesus is the exalted one. Paul said he was blameless. No, Jesus is the true blameless one. And yet he became a man that was oppressed, being taken captive by officers, died on a cross where he could not breathe so that we who are oppressed might now find our freedom in Christ. He became like us, the high priest who's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses You see, Paul was willing to suffer the loss of all things, lay all his privileges down, that he might lift up others around him. But Christ actually did suffer the loss of all things. He actually did lay aside all of the heavenly privilege. He laid it down that we who have nothing might be elevated and find our hope in Jesus. Jesus should stir your heart's affections, family. It should make you love and want to see him. You see, Paul was willing to give up all earthly rewards that he might gain the heavenly one. All he's doing is mimicking Christ, who gave up all heavenly rewards that he might find us his earthly treasure. And now we lay aside it all so that we can have him, our heavenly treasure, our possession, our glory. Are we glorying in Jesus Christ laid it all down that we might now have value in Christ. So now we can lay down our privileges, our rights, our identities, our ethnicities, whatever it is for the sake of others, but really for the sake of exaltation of Christ through others. So even this issue that we are dealing with right now, it finds its center in Jesus. Jesus is the center of all things. And as we center on Christ... As we exalt him and as we exalt the things that he has done, then everything will be made right because we'll be building the kingdom that does not perish, that never fades, that never crumbles, the rock that will stand forever. As we seek the exaltation of Christ above all, we'll be able to actually serve and love our neighbor and more importantly, serve and love God. This is what the church should be about. Family, the church has the answer. Yeah. Yeah. We have Jesus. Yeah. This is all about Him. Yeah. And as we find our center in Jesus, literally, we can continue in this fight yeah. or whatever fight we find ourselves in as we center on the person and work of Christ. Exalt, then disciple, and send. Yeah. As we make much of Jesus, we will reproduce disciples who impact the world. We will push back darkness as we make much of Jesus, family. Simply put, nothing else matters besides Jesus. It is about Jesus, always has been, always will be. And where we find our center on Jesus, we will actually find motivation for all things, creator above creation, that creation may go back to creator. That's what we should be about family of God. So let your heart center on Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys like crazy. Let's pray. God, we pray with Paul that by any means possible, we would find resurrection. We would find the glory of Jesus. We would center, focus, fall in love with you. God, would we not grow weary in doing good to our neighbor because our eyes are ultimately fixed on you? Would we not grow weary in serving and honoring and giving dignity and talking about things that are wrong in the world and as we try to make them right because ultimately we want to highlight you, Jesus, and we want to bless your creation because we love the creator? Would that be our heart? God, would we never weary because we are actually looking to the God who never sleeps or slumbers? God, I pray for my own privilege. Would I lay it down so that others who do not have it might be exalted in you, Jesus? Would by my laying down they taste the beauty of who you are, Jesus, who laid it all down for me? God, I pray for those who are weary, who are tired who are hurting, would they find their rest, their security, their hope in you? God, I pray for those who are confused and don't know what to do in this time. I pray for wisdom for them. But I ultimately pray for all of us that our eyes will be fixed on you, that ultimately our boast would be in you and in you alone, Jesus. God, be exalted. We pray Revelation 7, 9, that every tongue, tribe, nation, culture would fall in love with you, Jesus, and that we would be a part of that. That is your earthly rewards, which you died for, that all nations we brought back together, would we bring dignity to all peoples. I thank you for your promises, God, for your faithfulness, which extends to the generations. And even as we sing promises, now I pray we would remember that your promises have always been about redeeming mankind and bringing us back to union with you. Would every man, woman, and child find union with you, Jesus? Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your precious name, with our hearts centered on you, even as we sing this song. Amen. Amen.